stuff. Welcome to episode 185, 185 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talked to Mr. Ben Bowen, and that song you heard is his take on Frere Jaca, which is unlike any Frere Jaca I've ever heard, and, and we talked about this song a little bit and his approach to it, and I really, you know... For me personally, it, it hits a lot of the sweet spots. It's very, uh, it sounds great. You can, I feel like you can actually like hear the wood in the mandolin and in the guitar. It's really well produced. It sounds really warm. It sounds really good. And it's on his album, Let's Sing a Song, Volume 2. And I should say, when I first got uh, an email from Mr. Ben, he said uh, he put out four records in the last year, and anyone who is putting out that much material has got to come on and talk to me to talk about their good stuff. And I was, I loved talking to Mr. Ben. I just loved it. Like, we get into it, and it's fun, and you're going to love his perspective and hearing about the music classes that he teaches and all of the amazing work that he does. Of course, that song is called Frere Jaca, and you can go to Mr. Ben's Bandcamp to to buy that song or buy that whole record it's mrben.bandcamp.com and you should check that out and while you're on the internet how about uh you know how about sending me an email mike at goodstuffpod.com i'd love to hear from you would you like to hear from me in return okay cool that i mean that's the way it works i'm a little behind on the email i have to say um it's uh it's a rainy day in Houston, Texas, where the Good Stuff Studios is located and just moving a little slow. One of those days, moving a little slow. But you don't, that's not really, you shouldn't worry about that. That's not a That's not a thing for you to worry about. But you should listen to my conversation with Mr. Ben because he's the best. And you should listen all the way to the end to hear his song, Frere Jaca, in its entirety. The whole song. It's beautiful. The way he does it is beautiful. He can play. He knows what he's doing with an instrument. Okay, here's Mr. Ben. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, it is. Uh, it's a great. It's a great Monday morning. You know, Monday afternoon. It is uh, my pleasure to welcome Mr. Ben. Or yeah, is that the right way to say? Should we say Mr. Ben or Mr. Ben Bowen? Or how, how do you want us to to think of you for this? I, I, uh, Mr. Ben is great. That's how people can find me, and and it's it's become who I'm known as now. Okay, so Mr. Ben's great. Okay, so it is. It's Mr. Ben, folks. You heard it from the man himself. That is who is on the podcast with me today. Uh, Mr. Ben, welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It it's going to be fun. Totally. It's a pleasure, and I do think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so let's uh, let's set the scene, right? Like, I'm I'm in Houston, Texas. Where, where are you right now? <laughs> uh, I'm way up north. I'm in uh, Hamilton, Ontario in, in Canada. Is that near Toronto? Um, it was supposed to snow yesterday. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about yeah, it's about an hour west of Toronto. Okay. Okay. So I don't yeah. know Canadian geography as well as I should. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so I know Toronto. Oh. I know Montreal. Yeah, we're pretty close to Buffalo. Yeah. Okay, that's what you, I thought. You have, to, you have to almost you have to like go past us to get to Buffalo. 
Uh, and Toronto, a lot of the people, a lot of musicians from Toronto are now moving to Hamilton because of house prices. So uh-huh. Hamilton is becoming more and more of a kind of a music and arts hub. Oh, that's great. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Cool. So, so you have, um, there's a couple of things that I think we, we should talk about. You have some, some music that we, that we should have, we should encourage people to listen to. You also have a music school, if I'm not mistaken, um, where you're yeah. doing music for, for little ones through about six year olds. And we're going to get to all that, but I think it's, you have a really interesting, uh, musical story as we were just talking about a little bit before we started rolling. Um, so what's what's a little bit of your background or, or your musical background? Um, I uh, I studied as a jazz trumpet player. So I, I went to Humber College in Toronto to study jazz trumpet. Um, and then I played in kind of indie bands, pop bands, uh, and folk bands in Toronto for a long time. Um, and then I moved to Hamilton. And when I moved to Hamilton, the three main bands I was playing in um, sort of one, we had a grant, we put in an album and then we imploded. Um, one, she moved to Detroit, um, to buy an absolutely massive house for $15,000. Oh, jeez. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and the third one was a massive, like 15 piece band. We recorded two different live shows and then, um, she paired it back. And so because I had moved to Hamilton by that point, um, uh, and she was still in Toronto, I, I stopped playing with that band and I, I found myself in kind of a funny spot in Hamilton because I wasn't I wasn't known as a trumpet player here and I wasn't known as a singer songwriter here um, and I was actually working in a an office like a in, <laughs> doing recruiting in an uh-huh. office but it was really backwards right um, and got uh, offered a job teaching little kids music like teaching preschool um, classes to, to groups of kids um, and that was maybe eight years ago. Um, and in, since then it's just sort of built and built and built. So I have a music school now that I'm running. This is my third fall running it. But before that, um, I was teaching at six private preschools, running a musical theater program for three to six year olds. Um, and I had 14 private students. So I was teaching about 350 kids a week. Oof. Um, I, and, and like writing kids music and learning kids music and trying to, you know, I was really, really immersed in that. Um, so it's sort of, a, it, it is not where I expected to find myself as a musician. Um, but now that I'm here, there's a lot of, it's, it's fun. Like I really like the work, but I also like how much autonomy there is to it. Like mm-hmm. I can kind of do musically anything I want, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to get to like what that, how, how that, sort of takes shape in in a second um so that that's that's a busy schedule if you're sick <laughs> like managing that time had to be like are you still like working with as many schools and students and things like that so now that i've got my own place i've got my own studio people come to me which is okay. a, a totally different model i was going into where there were private preschool teachers and like teaching um kids who were in a preschool away from their kids, away from their parents for the day. And now it's parents who are bringing their kids to me. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's parents who are in the classroom with their kids. Great. So, so okay. it's yeah. about a hundred kids a week now. Um, uh-huh. It's just, it's just as of this week, it's gone up to about a hundred from 70 as last month. All right. <laughs> so we're, we're on the upswing. That's great. Yeah. 
but it's only five days a week instead of seven, and it's totally manageable, which is okay. great. Well, that's good. It's, it sounds like you needed that a little bit. <laughs> you needed. It, it, it's, it's not. I'm sure I that started seven. I started seven days a week, and I suddenly realized, like, whoa! Now I literally need an eighth day. I would look ahead in the calendar and think, okay, well, ten weeks from now is Thanksgiving, so I'll have a day off then, and then like. 12 weeks after that is Christmas, so I'll have four days off then. It was nuts. I, yeah. I just didn't really see what I had done to myself until I couldn't take it back. So, right, right. And so, so being yeah, your, it's much be, more manageable now. Right, and being your own boss, you make the hours, it's you make great. the schedule, and that's great. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um, all right, so, okay, so the music school and, and – what are the classes like? I mean, just out of curiosity, if someone's if someone were interested in the Hamilton area and going to a Mr. Ben <laughs> class, what happens? Um, it's 45 minutes long. Um, I tell parents that's as long as my attention span is, let alone little kids' attention span. <laughs> um, it's a lot of it's a lot of jumping around. It's a very active class. Um, parents often say that I should really put in the fine print that it's like kids' music and Pilates at once because there's a, t- <laughs> a ton of yeah, there's a lot of jumping around. Like if I, if we get in there uh, at the beginning of 45 minutes and it's 67 degrees in the room, by the end of the class it's about 71 degrees in the room. Wow. Um, we use a lot of bells and shakers and drums and scarves and parachutes. Um, I've set a number of books to music, so we try and get at least a book, at least a book or a lullaby into every class. Um, we start with the same song every week. We end with the same song every week, well, every class. Um, so it's, I treat it as musical immersion um, in that um, music is acquired in the brain a lot like language and that we really, I think it's funny the way the music is taught in schools that we give a kid an instrument and, and tell them like read the music in front of you right away without giving them um, a chance to experiment with um, all the phonics of it. You know, like when we're learning a language as babies, we hear it, we're immersed in it, and then we babble a bit, and then we form words, and then we form sentences, and eventually we start to read. So this is sort of the the immersion stage of it. This is this is introducing language as an immersion um, type of technique. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, this just sort of occurred to me as I'm thinking about my kids and their mm-hmm. development, and I have a first grader who is, uh, or someone I, I should say, I should know before whom I'm speaking, someone who is in grade one, um, who yeah. is, uh, who is um, just learning to read and thinking about like the how she's picking it up, like certain things, you know, it's a little bit of memorization, right? Like if you have a T and an H together, yeah. it makes that th sound. So when yeah. you ta- when you think about immersion in music or like the sort of the building blocks of music, um, what are like maybe one or two of the key things that you think parents should know about if they want to have their kid be uh, in in the world of music in, in, a, in a more real way? <laughs> Um, I, I once had a student uh, when I was teaching privately who was a guitar student um, and he was probably 13 or 14 by that point and he had never played an instrument before and I found that he had a really hard time picking up sort of the the really basic stuff he, he couldn't figure out whether or not he was playing the right notes because he couldn't hear them and so little by little we started to have this conversation where I, I said well what kind of music do you listen to and he just looked at me blankly and said, well, I don't know what you mean. Wow. I was like, well, what do you listen to at home? Well, I don't listen to music. Okay, well, what about your parents? What do your parents listen to? My parents don't listen to music either. And we, 
like over the course of maybe six weeks, I realized that I didn't know how to teach him because he, he couldn't, we would stop on words. I would say, okay, say your name. I don't remember what his name was, Dave. Um, Dave, and so I would have him stop on his vowel and say, can you hear how that vowel, and I would play the note on the guitar. See how that's the same note? And he couldn't hear it. Um, so a lot of what I would encourage parents to do with kids is to expose them to a ton of stuff, like play them all kinds of music. So I've got a six-year-old and a uh, 12-year-old as of yesterday, 12. 12. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're into a whole ton of stuff. Like we've, you know, we play, I have a jazz background, so they've heard a ton of Miles Davis and Bill Frizzell. Um, when I went back to finish my undergrad, I did a ton of, uh, I really got into the, the classical canon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they know Prokofiev and Villalobos and, um, uh, Holst and all those sorts of things. But also my son, who's, yeah, six, is totally into Pearl Jam and Nirvana right now. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, which is, which is kind of great. Uh-huh. He's the spitting image of uh, Eddie Vedder, too. He's really? Got, he's got, like, yeah, blonde, long, curly hair these days. It's totally uh-huh. funny. Um, and the nice thing is to watch them. Neither of them has, like, formally taken up an instrument, but the nice thing is to watch them pick up an instrument and try and find um, play things by ear. Again, that idea of language acquisition. Uh, um, yeah, that I, totally. I can see, <clears throat> like my daughter, excuse me, my daughter will sit at the piano and try and play the Harry Potter theme, uh-huh. which is really hard. Right. But to hear her struggle through it and find the intervals and try to find, you know, where what are the right notes and what are the right notes? I remember doing that as a kid. That's how I, I acquired music. So I think, yeah, one of the main things is is just to have music around for the kids to experience and to hear, and lots of different kinds of it. I, I tell the kids in my classes that music comes in lots of different flavors. So we do a lot of jumping around songs, but I also try and get a, a lullaby in near the end of the class. Um, and I explain to them, music comes in lots of different flavors, just like ice cream. So, we, you know, we have all these really exciting ones, but there's also really gentle, calm, um, soothing Mm-hmm. kinds of music as well yeah and it's a, it's good to uh it's good to have that up and that down in in energy in terms of you know just like any type of learning like you can't be you know trying to decipher like ancient texts all the time sometimes you need to just like <laughs> right. be mellow as we say in the biz um wow that's so cool i, I love the the um the idea of the flavors i love the idea of you know picking things out uh, we have a lot of instruments lying yeah. around in our house too and um it can be annoying like let's be honest right <laughs> it can be a little bit annoying <laughs> but it's also like really cool to watch them watch kids just get interested in it um you mentioned that yeah. you, you had set a few books to music what can you explain that a little bit um so actually when i was working for uh the the theater i worked for a musical theater company um What's it called? Community theater for about five years. And they had a program um, for three to six year olds and we would put on shows. And I, I don't have a background in musical theater at all. Musical theater is not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got in there, I, they, I, I thought I was interviewing for a music job. And at the end of the interview, they said, do you want to run our program? Of course. <laughs> I don't know what, what, yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> So when I got in there, in my head, musical theater was telling stories. So I thought, okay, so we need a good story to tell. So I wrote music for um, Leo Leone's Frederick. Um, I wrote music for um, Where the Wild Things Are. I wrote music for 
um, the it's not the friendly giant, and it's not the big friendly giant. Ah, uh, it's Orson Welles. No, Oscar Wilde. <laughs> okay. I guess I mix up a bunch. There's an Oscar Wilde uh, uh, fable about a giant in a garden and, and little kids. So we wrote a bunch of music for that. Okay. Um, so I already had some of these these songs in my in my um, in my wheelhouse that I was able to to use in classes. But then as we started doing more, as I started doing more more classes, I realized I wanted more visual elements. So I, I've set some. Do you guys have Sandra Boynton down there? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I wrote music to go with Mubah La La La. I wrote music to go with um, Not the Hippopotamus. I wrote music to go with. Uh, there's one more. Um, well, there's. And well, I, like I can't, I can't record those, right? I, right. I've, um, it's funny how difficult it is. To, um, it's easy to do a cover of a song. It's really difficult to um, find a way to to work with a publisher so that you can record songs of books. Right. But we sing them in class. Because um, I think it's a really great way to get kids into it's sort of the bridge between the music and and reading and and literature. Yeah. Um, yeah so I've done I've done a, a bunch of that. That's cool. And again, with that that functions fairly similarly to doing a lullaby. I try to bring the class sort of down a little bit before they have to leave, so that the parents don't hate me. Because <laughs> um, if I if I send them jumping and and roaring and you know pretending to be elephants out of class, uh, the parents might not come back. Yeah. So. Yeah, we try and do either or in every class. Nice. Well, you are you're a fountain of good stuff, as we uh, as we say on this pod. Well, we've never said that before on this podcast. I don't, uh, and I may never say it again. But <laughs> as I, we now say, on this as podcast. we now say, um, but you you really, I mean, in addition to the classes and the books and and all of these things, you are prolific. And when I say that, I mean that you in the year. 2017, right? Like all in 2017, yep. put out four yep. separate albums and the yeah. the albums are called let's sing volumes one and volume two beautiful day and oh watch the stars and as we yeah. were talking about at the beginning in like a little bit different language like these are really beautiful <laughs> records um and Thank you and, and have a, a really uh really cool vi oh man this is i am sorry for sounding like the the cheesiest cheese ball you've ever seen but like just like a you're, real you're a dad so you're forgiven oh yeah. thank you i am wearing cargo shorts and i'll go put my crocs on later but um there's a great vibe i don't know how else to say it like the vibe of the music so i would love to hear like you know i picked out a couple songs that real i thought were really really great but like how in the Which world one? Uh, well, I loved Buck, <laughs> Buck Buck. Let's start with Buck Buck, okay? Which oh, is yeah. which is on yeah, that's, um, that's on oh, oh Watch the Stars, and I think that yeah, that's the fourth album. Yeah, the fourth album. So the most recent, and I think what I loved about it, which surprised me, was that you employed a a, uh, a unique guitar technique that we don't <laughs> often we don't often see in. Well, I would I would generalize and say kids music but i don't think it's like in a lot of music these days so it's something called the vocoder and i i would love to he i think this is a teachable moment as we say in the biz so tell us what a vocoder is and then tell us a little bit about the song buck buck <laughs> <laughs> that, so that's it's funny that you should say that because that that sound is actually more like a wah sound i don't have a vocoder oh really 
Oh, awesome. Yeah, okay, isn't that so crazy? that I is know. that is totally crazy um, as we say in the biz again. <laughs> so yeah. so tell us what that um, so tell us about that. However you want to pretty solid yeah, it's a pretty envelopey wah sound and then I I was I whistle along with it. Uh-huh. So there's the 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 I recorded both separately and then just just mixed them together. Mm-hmm. Um but I, yeah, I've got um I've got a bunch of pedals that just happens to be sort of buried in one of my uh, multi-effects pedals that I got really early on when I was playing. Uh-huh. So I was sort of going through all these and thought, oh, what's that sound? Um, and I, I think because it's buck-buck, I think that I thought it sounded like a chicken a little bit. Like, it's got a bit of a, uh-huh. a chicken-y sound to it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, so I, I put that in. What was the other thing? Uh, what, what, the other song? No, no, no. You said that there were, I'm just trying to remember, you said that there was that, that element of that song. Well, um, well, there was that, and and then just like going for it on the animal sounds, I thought was really, really unique and really fun. Yeah, well, I that's probably my favorite track off that one for uh-huh. sure. And oh, it's cool. got, I, there's so much sort of, there's so many different influences in the stuff that I've recorded. Uh-huh. Um, so because I'm a trumpet player, when I was in high school, Blood, Sweat, and Tears was totally my jam. So all <laughs> of those really big horn parts at the end uh-huh. are. Super blood, sweat, and tears. It's just sort of in in me to to do that stuff. When I went back to finish my, um, when I went back to do master studies, um, I uh, my TA placement was being the lead trumpet in the R and B band. Awesome. I didn't have to invigilate uh-huh. any exams or anything. I got to sit and play the lead for like blood, sweat, and tears, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Shaka Khan, all these these crazy seventies tunes, uh-huh. um, and it it was amazing. So part of yeah, part of the influences in the music are, um, I don't know if you would call that stuff now. I don't know what, what genre we call that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Sort of funk. There's funk. Yep. Um, but that song as well is um, sort of a reworking of an old Pete Seeger tune. So Pete Seeger in, in 1955 put out like five albums, four of which were kids' albums. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't quite make five in one year tried that was the goal uh, interesting okay <laughs> yeah that's right um and so two of them combined came out on cd when my kids were little and so um uh it's called birds beasts bugs and little fishes and there's a song on there called don't sleep which is totally very short and totally weird it goes don't sleep don't sleep don't sleep the elephant don't sleep don't sleep don't sleep don't sleep the elephant don't sleep don't sleep, don't sleep, don't sleep, the elephant, don't sleep. Because if you sleep, I'm going to knock out your back teeth. Don't sleep. <laughs> like, okay. All right, Pete Seeger. All right. Isn't that a weird little song? That's a little yeah. weird, yeah. So for various reasons, I haven't sung that in any of my classes. But it's a, like it's a really basic melody, and it's really strong. Mm-hmm. So when I was um, listening to that record, I realized, oh, I could totally use that melody and turn it into something else. And we do so many animal kind of songs in class that it made sense to turn it into an animal song. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, so there's the folk influence in there. There's the, there's the R and B, um, funk influence in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. So, so we started with the most recent one. So let's, uh, we'll, we'll think of this as like a circle. We start at the most recent one and then <laughs> we go to the, the, to the first and the first record of the, in the series if I am look, if my dates are correct, which they may or may not be, is let's sing a song, yeah. Volume One, right? 
Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Okay, cool. So the one that, that I liked about this was I like the rhythm. And what I liked about it was I can see how this how this works in your class, right? You're talking about yeah. I like the rhythm when I stomp my feet. I like the rhythm when I use the shaker, clap hands. So I, I got a real feel for what you're going for. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know if there's a backstory to that song, but I would love to hear a little bit about your, your thoughts on that and how it works for you. Well, when I started teaching kids music, one of the things that I found really early on um, was that there's a ton of kids music that's being put out, but it, that's not useful for teaching. Um, in that it's about kid themes or it's about, you know, it's got good melodies, it's got stuff that kids can relate to. Um, but that in terms of it, my ability to use it in class, it's, it doesn't have actions that are obvious for it, or it doesn't have a melody that we can sing back and forth. Mm-hmm. A, a song that I would call a, a neato repeato song. Um, so <laughs> oh, I like brilliant. the rhythm was like the yeah, <laughs> the first kid song that I wrote. So I, I kind of love that that was your favorite. Yeah. Um, and it was very intentionally like, I don't have a song that does this. So how am I going to, what do I do? And that was the first time that I thought, oh, well, I guess I could write one that does that. Um, and yeah, I, I, the songs that I write now are very intentionally to use in class. Like mm-hmm. we don't have a song that does whatever. I, I wrote a lullaby last week and it wasn't that I don't have a bunch of lullabies, but it's like specifically a fall lullaby. So at the end of my Thursday class, I was playing a couple of chords and one of the moms who was leaving said, oh, is that a new song? I said, I think it is now. And so over the course of 10 minutes, I had a brand new lullaby based on fall themes. Oh, I guess. Um, you're like a, you truly yeah. are a fountain of good stuff. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and it's, and it's, um, it's, it's the funny thing was I tried to sing it on Saturday to a couple of my classes and got, it's got so much pathos in it. I almost couldn't make my way through it. Like I almost teared up singing my own song. <laughs> oh. like, this is really weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, but that's, that's how my songs are almost, that's, that's, certainly how my process works if i work for a very long time on a song i find it never gets finished Uh um more often than not i feel like a song is just sort of dropped into my head by the universe so i like i like the rhythm yeah it took maybe an hour to write yeah and i've been playing it for eight eight years and the kids love it and i love it yeah that's amazing well i love that i love that your approach is um you're not aiming for perfection, right? Like you have the abil- no. you have the amazing opportunity and ability um, to get an idea for a song like the one you were talking about, like the the fall lullaby, mm-hmm. and like literally workshop it in front of your audience, like literally see what works yeah. and what doesn't work. That's a very uh, amazing gift for a songwriter who's not afraid to go for it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it it is really fun, and and the, I mean I like the rhythm the way it was recorded. Um, I I hadn't written the shaker bell the shaker verse and the bell verse when I first wrote it. I uh-huh. had it was all like body percussion, so they do they do evolve over time. Again, as I'm in class and I think like, oh, we could totally add shakers in the, into this. How's that rhyme going to work? Yeah, yeah, and 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 they do for the most part evolve because of because of classes, and so they're. I, I don't know. It's much more the the way that folk songs were written. They're intended to be social, right? It's intended to be music that is made in a group mm-hmm. um, with with other people. Great, um, awesome. So if we let's keep on going in chronological order, we'll just key on on like sort of one song from each 
of the yeah, records. Yeah. I think that's the that's the. Flow. Yeah, I love that you pick. I like the rhythm. That's that's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm drawn to that kind of thing anyway, like as a rhythmic kind of person. But I I think I just right. I I just keyed in on it, and I was like, ah, I could see this happening. So maybe this one is a little bit of a of a different feeling from the the beautiful day record. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about the kitchen junk blues. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that, I, again. That was um, definitely for use in class. But I, so I, I now run my own business out of my own studio. And when I bought it, I bought it from somebody who had been running a similar music school for fifteen years in the same location. Um, and part of the purchase price of the business was eight thousand dollars worth of instruments, which is great. Mm-hmm. But so I kind of have all these, like tons and tons of shakers and bells and drums and tambourines and all this stuff. Um, and I, I I don't know whether it was through talking to a couple of kids in class um, or talking to a mom, but something about the idea that when they went home, they didn't have all these fancy things. And I thought, well, that doesn't actually matter. You can kind of, it's, you can make music at home. You don't need to have, um, you don't need to be here at music class just to make music. Um, and I, it was purposely a blues because I knew that I hadn't written a blues mm-hmm. um, ever. So I was kind of a challenge. I wonder what happens if I write a blues. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and it's just the idea that if you're at home and you want to make music, you don't need all the shakers and bells that we have in class. You can get out your pots and your pans and your any garbage. That, like The funny thing is, after we started doing that song in class, parents came back after a couple of weeks and said like you now got my child playing in our recycling like they're taking stuff out of <laughs> recycling all day <laughs> spreading it on the floor and playing it. and i was like great <laughs> that's um, awesome yeah it was kind of fun yeah um so yeah i i it's funny that i hadn't written the blues because my my background is jazz but uh-huh. because as a singer songwriter my um my roots are in Pete Seeger and Bruce Coburn. The blues thing had never really. It's kind of a fun one, and I play that a lot now too. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of classes. Um, I teach a, a group of autistic adults um, every couple of weeks, and uh, that's one that I pull out with them that's, uh-huh. that they really love. That's really fun that's to great. do. Nice, nice, cool. And then the second most recent, because we went slightly out of order my bad um, (laughs) is called let's sing a song volume two and a lot of these are seem like um i guess like just standards i guess maybe that's the wrong word but like classics um but what i yeah that's the folkiest for sure yeah um so the the ones that i loved and we talked about this a little bit but like there was two in a row, and I was like, gosh, this is so good. And, like, Raccoon's Got a Bushy Tail, which I'd heard <laughs> pieces of before, um, but, like, yeah. I just loved it. And then the other was, like, the best version of Frere Jacques that's ever been recorded. I will throw that out and say <laughs> that. I will make a bold, bold hot take and say that wow. that's the best Frere Jacques I've ever heard. Just, like, the playing's so good. Thanks, Mike. Like, oh, man. Okay, so anyway, like, what's – so this is a, this was the, the folky record. And I yeah. guess, like – I mean, it's it's uh, simple to say, but like, what's your approach to these songs? Because they're they're different. They have definitely have your your spin and your signature on them. Hmm. Um. When I started teaching, it was really the folk canon that I, that I dove into. So, um, 
the way that the job came about, I had an interview at the beginning of a week. I had job shadowing on the Friday, and after my job shadowing with the person who was leaving that day, she said, well, you should start on Monday. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> I, and I said, well, can I at least have all of, all of your material? And she said, no, it's licensed kinder music. I can't give it to you because you're not a kinder music teacher. Bye. Okay. So I freaked out a bit because starting Monday, I had classes. Like I had, it wasn't a lot at that point. It was five classes a week, but it was crazy. So I, I drove back to my parents' house because they're in Hamilton too and got out the Rafi and Sharon Lewis and Bram records that I had when I was a kid mm-hmm. and sat with my guitar and like learned Take Your Seat and learned uh, Corner Grocery Store, all those songs just to try and make it through. Yeah. And then as I um, dug more into kids' music and realized... Um, that as I said before, a lot of this music that's being made now doesn't really work for teaching. Um, I ended up back in the folk canon uh, and all of that early, all of the stuff from the fifties, the Seegers family, um, the all into kids music. So Mike and Peggy Seeger put one out. Ruth Crawford Seeger wrote um, America for children, um, which is like the Bible for kids music teaching. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Pete Seeger has tons and tons of kids records. And so because I've been singing those songs for so long, as, I mean, I'm, I'm singing them sometimes 10 times a week for eight weeks, right? So my, my sessions are eight weeks long. It means that I've, I might sing Raccoon's Got a Bushy Tail 80 times in two months. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> and over the course of those 80 times, I, I change it and I change it and I change it. Um, so that from the first time that I do it to the last time that I do it, it ends up sounding different. I like about that is that I, I, yeah, I feel a certain ownership over them because um, I know that melodically I'm doing something slightly different than what I heard Pete Seeger do, and um, I'm not a trained guitarist, so I know that I don't have the technique that Pete Seeger had or Bruce Coburn had. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of those songs end up being mine because I, because I've played them so long and because I love them, but then also because it's useful for me to be able to change them up a bit. Yeah. So Frere Jaca, I never played that way. Um, when I first played it, we just played it normally. And there were weird lulls in class. Like it's, it's a funny song because it's got pauses in it. Yeah. Um, and I thought I, I wanted to liven it up a bit cause I would lose the kids. And so that's the, yeah, the sort of the really big fun, um, boisterous part of it that doesn't exist, um, in other versions of it was, kind of written organically um, over the course of a couple of years of trying to teach that song and figure out how it would work with kids. That's that's a really fun one to play for the exact same reason, that when I pulled that out in class, parents look at me like, seriously, Frere Jaca? <laughs> and then we get to we get to sort of where it takes off, and they, they think like, whoa, we've never done Frere Jaca like this. All right. So, really cool. yeah, it's pretty fun. Nice. Um, I, I, I mean, you should be commended for records of really – good music for kids and for families. <laughs> and I think you should not sell your guitar abilities short. Like as a guitar player, I was listening to what you were doing and I was like, ah, oh, it's like, there's some, there's some things happening here that I, that are really nice <laughs> and really good. And I like that, uh, that the, the, you allow, I guess the way to say it is you allow your musicality to shine through. And that's pretty cool. Um, so Mr. Ben, if people were interested in finding, your music in finding out more about the school and finding out more about you in general, what's the best way yeah. for, for them to keep up with you and what you're up to? Um, my, my, 
it's all going to be the same online depending on whether it's um, Instagram or Facebook or my website. It's all one word, Mr. Ben's Open Door Music. So the business I bought was Open Door Music, and I was already Mr. Ben. I had, I had to differentiate myself because for the first couple of years I was teaching, um, I was called Miss Ben because they'd never had a female uh, a male teacher. Okay. All of their teachers had been female, wow. so they called me Miss Ben for two years, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be Mr. Ben, <laughs> just so I'm not Miss Ben. Uh-huh. Um, so it's Mr. MR, Ben's Open Door Music, um, .ca, although I think .com works as well. Okay. And then Facebook is Mr. Ben's Open Door Music, and Instagram is Mr. Ben's Open Door Music. Awesome. Excellent. All of those things work. So point your point your browsers to Mr. Ben's Open Door Music, however you w- would like to, Facebook, Instagram, website. Websites are always good. Um, so yeah. Ben, Mr. Mr. Ben, thank you yeah. so much for uh, for sharing so much of your story and your your love and care of kids' music and, and sort of keeping the uh, the Pete Seeger ideals alive and well through your school and folk mm-hmm. music and having a, uh, a good sense of what uh, families and kids need when they come to your class, a little up, a little down, a little jumping around, a little chilling out. Um, it was just really cool to talk to you and hear, <laughs> hear about what you're up to, and thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Mike. This has been great. All thank right. Thank you. No problem. So there he is, Mr. Ben Bowen. Check him out. Check out his music. It's great. Your kids are going to love it. You're going to love it. I mean, what's better than the double whammy of both you and your kids loving it? And now, here is Mr. Ben's take on Frere Jaca. It's a take. It's a hot take. It's a strong take. It is a very, very good take. Talk to you soon.
just remembered. John doesn't like being woken up in English. He likes being woken up in French. So we'll have to sing it in French. Stuff.